Welcome, everyone, to Raised Evangelical. I am your host, Stephanie McCown, and I am joined today by the amazing MJ. How are you, MJ? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. So you've been with us before. I think you were one of my very first guests, actually, um, way back. When, <laughs> it feels like it's been forever, but it hasn't even been that long um, when I first started. And at the time, toward the end of the show, uh, you mentioned that you identify as LGBTQ. And when I was thinking about people I wanted to have on for this for Pride Month, I thought of you and I really wanted to bring you back so you could share your story on your own terms and we can just talk about stuff as it comes up because I think your your story is an important one to tell. So I'm not going to ask a ton of questions or jump in there too frequently. I just really want you to tell your story as you're comfortable telling it. Okay. Um, <laughs> where do I start? <laughs> so I've, I think I've always known I was different and I, I can't tell if my, me feeling different from everyone else is just because we're all different or what, but I never quite felt like I fit, especially in church um, and, and around church people. I had a, an, a deep and earnest desire to please God, to know God, uh, to have a relationship with God. But I never, I don't know, I just never could break through to sort of understand other evangelical. Um, and I think in large part, it's because I was the teachings that, um, homosexuals, because that was the only word I knew, uh, would, right. were, could not be saved. They could not have a relationship with God. They were an abomination essentially. Um, mm -hmm. you know, funnily enough, I didn't hear that about child molesters or, <laughs> or, or mass right. or anything like that. But if for yeah. a man to lie yeah. with another man was an abomination and, mm -hmm. uh, my family circle, my social circle, everything revolved around evangelicals, except maybe my neighborhood. So at school, mm -hmm. I was at a Christian school that went, that was connected to my church. Um, we would go to another church where my uncle was a pastor. So all of our family gatherings had, you know, were evangelical in nature. And mm -hmm. my sense of belonging depended on me conforming to being a good Christian girl. And, right. Uh, as I grew, I my relationship with God and the church ebbed and flowed. I have times where I was closer and times where I wasn't, but over the last couple of years, I've really deconstructed and let go of some closely and long held beliefs about mm -hmm. um, creation, the Bible, sin, redemption, all of it. Um, my, my entire yeah. worldview um, has undergone just a paradigm shift that I don't, I can't believe those things anymore, despite whether I want to or not. And, um, right. and as I deconstructed that really started around 2017, but really picked up in 2018. Um, and then finally sort of the veil was lifted um, <laughs> last year around yeah. this time. 
and I could no longer hold to these doctrines. Um, I want to say first, I've always been too much of a believing heart to fully adopt all of those beliefs. So while I believed, yeah, okay, the Bible says this is a sin, I never, luckily for me, it feels like anyway, I I was never at a place where I felt in, in any way that I could judge or decide about anyone else's salvation or their sexuality or anything. I I had more of a live and let live attitude. And for that, I'm thankful yeah. because I know um, I wouldn't, I probably would wrestle with some guilt that I don't have to wrestle with. Um, Cause I have that from other things that I did as a Christian, mm-hmm. you know? Um, yeah. But I'm thankful. Especially, yeah, I get that. Especially because in, in unlearning the things that I was, you know, my indoctrination, I also learned a lot about myself and that I am not a straight person and Mm -hmm. I lived as one my whole life um Mm -hmm. when I look back I can see so many times so many so many tv shows so many crushes I had that I didn't realize um what they were you know looking back it's like oh yeah Mm -hmm. I never was straight but I right identified as as a straight person and lived that life and so as uh as I started to deconstruct, learn to love myself, I was also learning to know who I was. And, uh, yeah. and so when my self came out to me, uh, cause I don't think of it as I came out to myself. I, it's like myself was what knew, but the, right. I didn't know. So when my, yeah, I hear that when my self came out to me, then I had to relearn how to love and accept who I am versus who I thought I was. Mm-hmm. And so that's been um, a, quite a journey, you know, um, I have, yeah. I, I mean, I still contend with internalized homophobia and I sure. also struggle within the community um, because I know I, I feel like I don't belong there um, in some ways. Yeah. And some people mm-hmm. have been absolutely wonderful and accepting of me, both within and outside of the LGBTQ community. But then mm-hmm. there have been some people within the community who have not been as welcoming or accepting. And that hurts a lot because I expect that yeah. on the outside. I expect if you mm-hmm. grew up to believe it's a sin or if you think you know me as a certain way and then I, you, you learn something different, I, I expect certain people to have a strong opinion about that or a negative opinion about that or to not accept me. But what I didn't expect was when I turned to this community Mm -hmm. that, that seems on the outside far more welcoming and accepting and understanding. um, There's some gatekeeping that is, is it's even hard for me to talk about right now because I'm like, do I even have the right to, but, but I think it needs to be talked about because I say it with compassion I don't know what it is like to grow up as an out LGBTQ person. I don't know what those experiences would do. I don't know. Like, that's the thing. I wasn't brave enough or or myself was so scared and so had no sense of real support that I had nowhere to go but to retreat. So when I look at people who have been out, especially older people, 
you know, who have been out a long mm-hmm. time or people my age, I'm 40, um, where it was, it, I mean, I, it wasn't talked about much when I was in high school. Um, like I said, my first term mm-hmm. for that, I only knew homosexual and I, and I only knew that men could be gay. I didn't realize until later that women could be gay. And, and I thought they all had to look mm-hmm. like a certain type of woman in, in, if you right. didn't look that way, yep. then you couldn't have feelings toward women. So it was quite a confusing time to grow up. And so right. people who have lived their entire lives out it, I admire them and I wish I would have had that opportunity, the struggles and all that came with it, you know, mm-hmm. but I understand mm-hmm. that those struggles, it, there's probably some, you know, unhealed pain. And so a new person yeah. is just like, Oh, hi, I've gotten away with straight privilege my whole life, but now I want to be part of your community. I can understand some hesitation. I just, I want, um, I want all of us to understand any sort of marginalization to, you know, come together <laughs> in that, in those differences. Right. Um, but mm-hmm. uh, anyway, so that's one of the reasons why when I am publicly talking about my sexuality, I prefer to use the term LGBTQ or LGBTQ plus IA or whatever is most accepted by the community mm-hmm. at the time, mm-hmm. because I right. feel like there's also division between certain letters <laughs> and I don't want that either. Yeah. Like I really, mm-hmm. you know, I would love to see um, just more of a unity. And then I say this not as a critic, not as someone like just as an observer and as a very brand new member or, or like I've always been there. I just didn't know, you know, yeah, so I know that I'm new and I, I want to know my place and I want to stay in my lane and I don't want to speak over anyone who has been doing this work a lot longer. I just, especially as someone yeah. who grew up evangelical, it's like, we know, we know what it's <laughs> like to have your sense of belonging threatened. We know what it's like to not, we, we were not able to think for ourselves. We, mm-hmm. we have a story that is unique and valid, I guess, is, you know, my point. Yep. And like one of the first people that I came out to is also a member of the community. And, and she basically told me that I wasn't, that I couldn't be. Um, oh, yeah, it was, it was pretty hurtful. I don't think she meant it uh, to be hurtful. Yeah. But, um, that was, that was pretty, that was pretty hurtful. And again, more surprising because I would expect that from yeah. my evangelical aunt whom I also love and I know would come from the best place she knew how to come from, you know, but I, I, I wouldn't right. expect that from someone within the community. So. Hmm. Yeah, that, that is, and I, I, I think unfortunately, you know, your experience is, is not unique in that regard. I think that there is a lot of gatekeeping. Um, and I, you know, I'm hesitant too to, talk about it in depth because I'm still so new to it myself. You know, I'm not somebody who's been doing this work for years and has been out for years and has faced the uh, condemnation of society and my family and so forth for years. In fact, you know, as far as my parents know, I I am not bisexual. (laughs) I'm straight and just very, um, I don't know, very liberal, I guess. (laughs) And to them, that's like an insult. But 
you know, so it is hard to, to speak on those things because, yeah, you don't want to talk over anybody and you don't want to dismiss the work that has been done and the progress that has been made. But I also think that, you know, because more and more people are leaving evangelicalism and there are more and more people. I talk to people every single day who had no idea about their true sexuality until they left evangelicalism. Um, it is a conversation that needs to be had. Right. You know, we can't to define people entirely by who they've been sexually intimate with is disingenuous. It's, it's very dismissive of the complexity of sexuality. It's very dismissive of the human experience. Um, and I, I I mean, there is a lot of gatekeeping there that people have, you know, there's the, the idea that people are defined entirely by who they've had sex with. And that's just simply not well, true. And if you can, um, I see a parallel there between that and purity culture that puts so much emphasis yes. on it, not who we have sex with, because obviously it's going to be a person of the opposite sex, a cisgendered person of the opposite sex. Mm-hmm. But when we have sex, yeah, you know. And so yep. it is, there is a yes. lot of, of um, there can be a lot of focus on that. And like, mm-hmm. like you said, those actions don't define us as they don't define our worth, nor do they define our sexuality. Exactly. And I think for people who have never known what that's like to, to be told that, you know, to, to be not just be told, but to be raised in a culture that absolutely emphasizes that your entire worth is based on when you have sex and who you have sex right. with, you know, to be told that to, to be attract, even just be attracted to someone of the same gender as yourself um, or to be attracted to multiple genders is an abomination. I don't think Anybody who, you know, somebody who was not raised, who was not absolutely steeped in that culture can really grasp what that does to a person. I mean, that takes away your entire language for understanding that aspect of yourself. All you know is you you don't feel like you think you, Mm -hmm. quote, should. And you don't know why. And you think, well, maybe someday when I meet the right person, all these all this confusion will go away because I'll have met the right person, you know, and we find, you know, to, to have that language taken away and to, to be put in the position of having to find all these rationalizations for why you just don't feel what we know now is we just didn't feel Mm -hmm. straight. I mean, that really, to somebody on the outside, you know, they would ask, well, how come you didn't know till you were in your forties that you were, you know, you were LGBTQ. How come you didn't Mm -hmm. know that? I didn't, you know, so many of us just didn't have the language. And we were told that if we felt anything other than what we were told, we were allowed to feel that God was angry with us and we would be punished in yeah. hell forever because homosexuality is an yes, abomination. It was, it was you know? dangerous. It was dangerous for our little childhood mm-hmm. selves because I know most of the people I talk to that have known their whole life. I mean, they've known since they were preteen and so mm-hmm. it's like I knew something then. I just didn't have the freedom within right. my home, church, or community to explore it. Now, of course, yes. again, people that are our age and older and even some younger, I, I know we haven't, I mean, 
gay people, two, two women and two men could just get married legally or federal, you know, in the whole United States in 2015. Like, I understand that we, we have not achieved any level of equality and it is, it's gotta be hard to grow up that way just in our society. Mm-hmm. And I never want to minimize that yeah. or, or, or take, you know, I, or take those, my, I don't want my identity and my presence within the community to diminish what anyone else has gone through. Right. I just want to, I just yeah. hope that more people, because by and large, the community is far more welcoming, accepting, understanding than any sort of Christian community I've yeah. ever been a part of. I just, I guess I want all of us to be able to do a little better. And so I want our stories to just be recognized as, as real. I mean, the same way, like, it's like, yes, it's different. Yes. I have a different story than you and, um, Mm -hmm. or than, you know, than someone who, who maybe just, even if they didn't have communal support, they had familial support. Um, if, you know, our, our stories are different, but they're both, valid and nobody is less than you know like um i i really hesitate to say this but i think i see a parallel and i know my heart is in the right place and i am ready and and willing to hear criticism if i'm wrong but i think there's there's some (laughs) uh like transgender women are women you know they just mm-hmm. didn't go up mm-hmm. as women because they couldn't. Now it's it's easier and better for kids yeah. that are growing up now. But I know that it's so it's like it's like mm-hmm. yes, there is a difference because you had a different experience, but you are still a woman. I you know, and I and and later in life right. LGBTQ people yeah. are still all those things or any of those things. They we just have a different experience, a different story. It's not less it's just different. Mm-hmm. And I think it's okay. I hope it's okay to acknowledge those differences and even in a way celebrate them, you know, because they can bring us together. And, and I mm-hmm. feel like if we could I think if we all, all of us, others, everyone who doesn't fit that super narrow mold in society, if, if every one of us, you know, could not only check our privileges, and, and acknowledge each other's experiences and find that unity and common ground, man, we'd be unstoppable. We wouldn't be in the situation that we're in. It's yeah. not our fault. It's not our fault, but uh, there's right. more of us than there are them. Yeah. <laughs> I think, I think that, you know, we're living in a culture where straight is still very much the default. And I think that when, you know, even within the LGBTQ community where we choose to define people by who they've had sex with, we're still acknowledging straight as the default because, you know, that's still, that's still validating that notion. And I, I mean, I would hope that we're, we're getting to a point where we want to be rid of the notion that straight is the default and, you know, understand that sexuality is complex. It can be fluid. You know, you can be attracted to someone of a a different gender one day and then your same gender later on. I mean, I don't think, you know, the older I get and the more people I talk to and the more I understand myself, I think that sexuality can be a very fluid thing. And I don't think that, you know, people who 
who came out as LGBTQ later or realized that about themselves later, but initially married someone of a different gender and did the whole traditional family thing. I don't think that experience for them was any less valid. I mean, it, di- it didn't mean necessarily that they were, quote, living a lie or any of the other things that get thrown around about people who've done that. Um, at that point, for you know, in my life, at that point, that's who I was attracted right. to. Right. You know? And it didn't mean that I was being disingenuous. That's just who I was attracted to, you know? And so I think there needs to be some understanding that if we say a person is defined entirely by who they've had sex with, and unless they've had sex with someone of their same gender, they are not, you know, this or that. Okay. Well then, then that is just further validating the idea that straight is the default. And that is an idea that I would like to see die a fiery death. Um, it is on its way out i talked to my daughter who is also not straight um and she's super not ashamed Mm -hmm. or anything so i feel completely comfortable saying that i don't need her permission to say that we've already you know discussed that Mm -hmm. um but she will point Mm -hmm. things out on tv shows where they say blah 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 and you know it's natural for girls to want to kiss boys she'll be like or girls when, the, you know, she'll tell the TV right. and I, right. tell, I tell her how much I appreciate that. So I do think that our kids are going to grow up in a less heteronormative world. And I'm thankful for people like us who, and you know, the ones who I'm thankful for the people who have paved the way for us. I'm mm-hmm. thankful for us who are continuing to clear the path for our children yes. to be able to speak their minds about that. I, I would never have thought of anything like that at 11 years old. Mm-hmm. And I'm so grateful for her. I learned from her. Right. She's taught me, she's taught me terms and things that I didn't yes. know. And I'm also grateful to be able to still stay in a place where my mind is fluid enough that I can, that I can relearn or, or learn new things um, mm. and do better. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I, I agree with you. I think that the world that our children are coming up in is much more, um, validating of mul- a multitude of of orientations, and it shows up in so many different ways. Like um, one of the shows that that we watch here, and we've binge watched it because <laughs> we like it so much, is Shira and the Princesses of Power on Netflix. <laughs> that show is so queer. <laughs> I mean, it I is mean, to just, be fair, the original it is one so queer, too, and know. I love it. <laughs> right it was just done much more covertly this it's right out there i mean you cannot misinterpret what is happening here and i love it you know and it's not like you know when we watch it it my son doesn't have the reactions i would have had at his age where it's like oh my gosh what are they doing and it's you know it isn't even anything you know obviously it's a show that's made for kids and it's not going to be over the top but it's like you can tell when two people of the same gender are interested in each other. You can tell when, when a character, you know, a multitude of gender expressions. I mean, it's, it's right there. And it's nothing that we react to. It wasn't like, oh. Right. It was just like, yeah, that's just how it is. That's, that's you know, everybody's different and that's fine. Yes. Um, and we it like is just a... <laughs> 
What's that? I said yes, and we watched She-Ra too. We haven't seen. Oh, I love it. So. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. Good, especially for um, ex-evangelicals. So I'm excited. It really is. That whole show, I feel, is so therapeutic. For, I think, especially because they took a cartoon from the 1980s that. Um, because we didn't understand like the subtext of what was happening. <laughs> it just seemed to embody so many, so many, you know, heteronormative ideas. And then it, you know, you bring it into 2019, 2020. And, you know, those of us who saw it back then and now we're seeing it now, it's all, it's in a weird way. It's like coming full circle. And for a lot of us watching that, you know, I think about what a difference that is making for some kids somewhere who, might be unsure of themselves and, and might not understand what they're feeling. And then they watch something like Shira and the Princess of Power. And it's like, oh, oh, okay. I'm making sense of this now. It's then they see themselves in these characters. And it's so validating and so liberating to be able to see that, to see that representation. And that was something we never had, not in any kind of overt way. Right. You know, not in any mainstream characters. There have always been the fringe characters in, in different uh, comics and cartoons and so forth. But they were never mainstream. The, the mainstream characters we grew up with, if they were LGBTQ, it was done in such a way that it was plausible. You know, plausible deniability <laughs> was definitely an element. <laughs> and I love that the stuff that's available for kids now, it's just who we are and we're not going to be ashamed of that and we're not going to hide that and we're not going to try to make you feel weird if you see it, if this resonates with you right you know yes I'm, I'm thankful for that um, like you said about representation that is really important and I am super thankful for shows like Shira that can reach kids the way they do with entertainment representation, empowerment. I mean, my boys watch mm -hmm. it and it's a lead female character. I'm really thankful for that. Um, you know, cause my brother, he growing up, he mm -hmm. wouldn't watch Shira with me, but I, I would watch He-Man with him, but he wouldn't watch Shira with me. So I'm thankful for all the ways we're moving forward and the way it's being more represented in media. We should probably have our kids on for something like this. I yeah. think we're, we're another episode. <laughs> yeah, we lost connection for a second there, but I think I got yes. what you were saying. You said yeah. your sons watch it. Yes. And I agree with you. I think having the kids on would be awesome because I would love to hear their perspectives on these things because my son and I, we actually watched some of some clips of She-Ra from the 1980s because I was telling him, oh yeah, this show was on when I was a kid, but I really didn't like it that much. You know, I thought She-Ra was presented as too old and I just was like, why do, old for me, like I was, you know, <laughs> seven years old and I'm like, what's that old lady doing on this cartoon? She's like, <laughs> kids are <laughs> and I like she just presented as too old and I just wasn't interested and so we watched some clips from the old one and yeah and there there are a lot of there are a couple series out there like we watched Shira and also Carmen San Diego on Netflix also has um it's not quite as direct but there are certainly characters there that you know are clearly not 
uh, they don't fit the heteronormative binary, which I love. Mm-hmm. Right. I actually haven't picked that up. We watch it too, but I only watch it kind of mm-hmm. in the background while I'm doing other stuff. But the kids watch it, so I'm glad to know that there's more out there for them. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, another series that I love, I don't know if they still, I'm sure they still have the episodes on Netflix. It's one day at a time, the reboot. Um, there are LGBTQ characters on there and they're very, you know, it's not hidden. It's not danced around whatsoever. It's right there. It's out in the open and the show is hilarious. (laughs) It is so good. So yeah, those are some viewing recommendations for the listeners. If you're looking for affirming shows to watch with your kids there you go (laughs) awesome awesome yes so back to us and our need to be affirmed and to affirm one another (laughs) Mm -hmm. um Mm. i think that so that's where i've so where i've landed myself right now is i am married to someone who is straight and uh so i'm in what they call a mixed orientation marriage which I don't know how mm-hmm. many people know of that term, but it's that's what happens is there's a lot of people who, you know, lived as a straight cisgendered person. And then later in life, they realize they are LGBTQ plus and mm-hmm. they stay with their straight partner um, or they separate from their straight partner. It, you know, it's, it's nothing happens overnight. Uh or usually anyway, <laughs> usually things don't happen overnight. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, we have three young kids. We love each other deeply and we are redefining our relationship and what that means for us. Um, we may talk about it when we land somewhere officially official, but right now that's just, you know, between my husband and I. Uh, yeah. yeah. As we navigate this, um, I, don't, I don't even know what to call it as we navigate it (laughs) (laughs) it's a relationship and you're you're redefining what that means for the two of you yes and it sounds like he's been you know affirming and supportive yes um that's really awesome because that's not the experience everyone has and I'm really glad to hear I I I feel really fortunate because he grew up in it's the same age. He's, he's my age. Well, he's 39. He's a little younger. I'll never let anyone forget that. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. In the most loving way, you know. But he grew mm-hmm. up in the same time frame we did, but in a much more sex positive, super accepting house. Um, his mother specifically had friends from all walks of life and all the colors under the rainbow. And, uh, mm-hmm. So for him, while obviously news that your straight spouse isn't actually straight is shocking. (laughs) Yeah. He did not have to grapple with any sort of um, acceptance on the macro scale. Um, So Mm -hmm. I, that was, that was really great. You know, it's better for him, obviously. And also I, I feel really, really fortunate because I like I worry about coming out to some of my evangelical family members and even lapsed yeah. evangelical family members still hold tight to some of these um, beliefs. So if you're mm-hmm. I can't imagine if that was your spouse. I don't know what mm-hmm. I would be able to do. You know? yeah. My husband's like my best friend yeah. and 
one of the reasons so after when myself first came out to me I was like nope that's not true and (laughs) went along my merry way for a couple of months before it really ate away at me and and did a lot of damage to my mental health so when I yeah part of me being able to come out to myself or accept who I was to myself was to come out to him like it's I sort of did that at the same time essentially mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah I can I can understand that I think that you know from my own experience I know that at first it's like no <laughs> you know like I just think she's really cool. I don't have a crush, <laughs> you know, and you cut, you know, all these justifications you make for how you're feeling. And then it's like, it kind of is like all at once. It's like, Oh, I get it now. Right. <laughs> you know? And um, yeah. So I'm really grateful that you have someone there, you know, who's very supportive and very affirming and understanding. And I'm so glad that he's willing to, um, to navigate this with you because you know, that's not the experience everyone has. And, you know, some people have experienced some devastating losses once they realize their own sexuality and they share that with their family, you know, as, you know, with their spouse. And then if all goes well, maybe the rest of the family right. that doesn't always happen right. either. Um, no, it's always a risk. How are your children? Yeah, it is a risk. It is a risk. And there are people who lose just about everything. Um, And I think that's why, you know, you and I who are so new to this are really being cautious to not speak over people who have had those experiences, but that also doesn't invalidate what you're experiencing or what I'm experiencing. Um, You know, there's room for everybody. Um, It's got to be complicated though with children how are you, how are you handling that? Um, so my kids, they just know that I'm not straight. Um, it's, um, they don't seem to care. They don't seem to ask, what does that mean for your relationship or anything? Because I didn't, it sort of came up in conversations when we're talking about their sexuality or sexuality in general. So it wasn't like, Oh, Mm -hmm. guys, guess what? Mommy just realized this. They're just, it's just, they're, (laughs) they're normal. Um, It's just, they're normal. So thus far, it hasn't been an issue. That's really good. That's how I handle it, too. Yeah. Oh, no, I was going to say it is. And I'm, I'm thankful for that because I know people that, like, my kids are young enough you know, and when kids are older, Mm -hmm. it might be harder for them. Um, I do see a lot of, it's a lot easier for the younger generations to be more accepting, but I know if it, if it were to affect their day-to-day life, they might be less accepting or, you know, so again, it's another way where I do feel really fortunate and I know that it could be worse and I'm thankful, uh, that it's not, you know, I wish it could be yeah. better for everyone who has finds themselves right. in this situation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it is, you know, it does get complicated because, you know, as far as like we we're talking about earlier with the community, like I know people who are bisexual, but are in straight presenting relationships. And I think, 
um, I think there needs, you know, there needs to be more allowance for the new ones, mm-hmm. you know, that, that these relationships can present. Um, yes, you're LGBTQ, but you can't just pack up and abandon everything and go pursue this whole brand new life as an LGBTQ person. And most of us can't. Right. Most of us who are coming to this realization later in life are not in the position to be able to do that. And some of us you know, don't, even, don't even feel the need to do right. that. Um, you know, I, I just I think that this whole conversation speaks to the need to understand the complexity of sexuality, the nuance of relationships, and also the need to understand that how any couple navigates these things, it's their business. You know, it's not anyone's place to speak from the outside to tell you how you're allowed to identify and certainly no one's place to tell anyone how they have to navigate this now that they're aware. Absolutely. And, um, you know, some of the things my husband and I, uh, some of the avenues we've explored and are exploring are super non-traditional. And even in the context of ex-evangelical, queer-friendly audience, there's things that I don't even know I'd want to talk about yet. <laughs> that, that, that sure. you know. Absolutely. Because it's it feels off yeah. the wall sometimes, even, even for... <laughs> even for the not straight community. So, um, sure. So anyway, plus, like I said, we haven't landed anywhere. Um, but sure. it's, it's definitely, yes. Like marriage can be what you make it to be. Relationships are defined how you, the people in the relationship define them. Um, and you know, we're, we, we started rethinking the institution of marriage long before we started rethinking our own marriage. Just how mm-hmm. hard yeah. it is, particularly for women, um, once they're mm-hmm. married to get out or, um, you know, to, I don't know. I, that's a whole nother topic for another day, but, <laughs> but yeah, we, right, we were right. redefining what things meant for us or what thing, what we believed in general before it affected us personally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I, I read the, the early edition or the early manuscript of your book that's coming up hopefully sooner than later. And I kind of wondered as you were writing that, how much of, of that you might've been exploring yourself as far as like, how do we define marriage? Yes. You know, so- um, what is, most, <laughs> you know, what is, go, go ahead, go ahead. Most interesting about that book, Hurricane Season, that will hopefully be published this year, um, is yes. it's, um, I wrote it before anything happened. And a lot of the things mm-hmm. in the book that I wrote for pretend ended up happening in real life. Not, not, not the whole thing, but there were a lot of stories mm-hmm. that I just made up that then came to life. So my next <laughs> book, she's going to win the lottery yeah. and, you know, all kinds of great things are going to happen. <laughs> in yes. Book, I'm going to write about how yes. my book was a smashing success. Um, 
Right. But I, but yes, I do think that I was working out some things without realizing and writing. I had never written fiction sure. before. So writing fiction mm-hmm. helped me give space in my mind to things that in, if I were thinking about real life or if I were writing a, a, a truthful memoir that it would, um, mm-hmm. I would have never been able to even explore. So I do think in writing the book, it helped, it helped, it, it gave space for my mind to then explore the real me, you know? Yeah. So. I get that entirely. And I, I kind of wondered as, as I was reading it, you know, it just, yeah, I thought, I wonder how much she's working out for herself. And it, and that's beautiful that it came through that way because it, it came through as so authentically that, you know, I, and again, and, and we discussed this in the, in the last time you were here, but I, I do think that book, when it does finally come out, I think it is going to help a lot of people work through some stuff that maybe they're not ready to face head on just yet. But as they're reading it and they, they feel things resonating with them, um, they're going to see, you know, they're going to, they're going to see themselves in a lot of things that may, in a lot of places that maybe they didn't expect. I guess is what I'm getting at because I, I, you know, as I was reading it and I had already come to terms with my own sexuality and, you know, I, I just thought, wow, you know, she's really delving into things that I bet a lot of people want to explore, but just don't have the courage to. And or I'm not even going to say the courage. I don't think it's about courage. I think it's about permission. Mm-hmm. They permission don't feel permission to. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. I get frustrated when I feel, when I hear people say things like you didn't have the courage to look at it before. Well, that it's never been for a lot of us former evangelicals. It's never been about having the courage to face our true selves because uh, in the evangelical community, when you are LGBTQ, you can lose everything right everything i mean by just speculating that you might be lgbtq (laughs) that's just speculating to actually live as that i mean i think that when you take that step forward and you in whatever degree you're capable of you know in, in whatever degree you can safely do live as that i mean that in itself takes tremendous courage i i will say that but but looking at it that's never about courage you know, that's we about, were we were designed yeah. to survive, and repressing right. our sexuality was a survival instinct. You yep. know, so we it wasn't yeah. there wasn't a choice, there wasn't anything, and and again, I I do not want to speak over anyone or diminish anyone else's experience, and even with the even in my coming out thus far, it hasn't been. Like you said, I haven't lost everything, Um, but Mm -hmm. I do just want space for these conversations. So I really appreciate you giving us, you know, everyone else that you interview this month, this platform and the ability to share our experiences, because that's really all I think any of us want is to sort of be heard and and understood. And yeah. So I'm glad to, you know, have been able to chat with you and and talk about this. And I know me and you, we could talk for days (laughs) on this. I know. (laughs) Yes. And and I think, too, I mean, 
yes, be cautious to not speak over people, but also acknowledge that there is like almost like a whole new new generation, I guess you could call it, of LGBTQ people that are that are coming up out of, you know, they're leaving evangelicalism and then feeling free to finally look at themselves. They, they feel permission to, to recognize who they really are. And I know these are conversations that have to be had because there are a whole lot of us out there who, um, until we stepped outside of that bubble, didn't feel permission to really look honestly at our whole selves. That's not to say we were being dishonest before, but there was a whole part of ourselves that we did not feel free to, to assess with, with complete um, candor, I guess, about ourselves. Because um, like, like we've discussed, there's great risk in just saying, oh, I think I might be. Absolutely. And the deeper you, know? you are into like a conservative evangelical community, the harder it is the harder it is and the more you have to lose Mm -hmm. I mean there's kids that people that have lost their their homes you know I've seen it on some of the mess on some of the groups where they talk about coming out and their family kicking them out and it's like I'm I'm glad that as ex-evangelical LGBTQ plus people that we have one another too you know I am too. Of course, I don't want. Yep. To, I don't want anyone. Yep. To, and I think to know that... what it feels like, but I'm glad I'm not alone. Yeah, yeah. I think that in the ex-evangelical community, one thing that we have to be aware of and be vigilant to guard against is another yep. form of fundamentalism. And I think that when we're trying to define people in the LGBTQ community entirely by any one thing, whether it's who they've had sex with, who they've come out to, how out are they off the internet? Because it's, it, for a lot of us, it's very safe to be out in our online communities, not so safe to be out in the communities we live in Correct. in our day-to-day lives. That does not make people any less LGBTQ. And I think that in ex-evangelical circles, because so many of us came out of a fundamentalist way of thinking, it is very easy to slip back into that dualistic, it's one thing or it's the other. It cannot be both and. Um, it's very easy to slip into that. And I think that in, in, regard, in regard to many things, but I think you know, in regard to LGBTQ identities, we need to be very careful about falling back into that very dualistic way of thinking, this fundamentalist idea that things can be one thing or the other. You are this or you are that. I will define you this way and there is no other way. I mean, we cannot, we cannot allow ourselves to get into that. And I haven't seen it much, okay. but I have seen it. And it's something to be wary of. And I, 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 again, I have compassion for everyone that's even on the quote unquote wrong side of that, because we can, we can all only do what we can do as long as we all remain open to growing and changing our perspectives when given new information, like, like the person who did not believe me initially 
upon, like, I didn't, I didn't just cancel her and just cut her out of my life, you know, Mm -hmm. upon Mm -hmm. more conversations and more time. She has learned a lot about me, my upbringing. And like, I learned that I don't need her acceptance in that way to be who I am. And at the same time, she has learned to accept Mm -hmm. that not everybody has her story. So right. I, I think as long as we exactly. all stay open to, yes. to growth and don't cancel each other out uh, from our mistakes um, and let, you know, it's different. I'm not saying, I'm not saying condone anything or, you know, let someone continue in their, in their right. ignorance or anything. But if we give each other room to grow, then we will all get better. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, I find myself as somebody who, who did come out of a heavily fundamentalist way of thinking, I still find myself asking that question, where is that line between, okay, this person messed up. Do I cancel? <laughs> you know? Cause we do live in a culture where that seems to be pretty immediate. Um, I think that, you know, having understanding of where they came from, especially when it's people that I know from the ex-evangelical circles that we travel. If I know them from there, I know they came up with a, you know, a way of thinking that was similar to mine. And it's very hard to break that mindset. Now, if, if that person continues after being given new information, they continue down that road. Okay. Then might be, maybe it's time to consider what role do they need to play in my life? But I, yeah, I do think that there needs to be some grace given to allow people the opportunity to grow and then see how they respond to that opportunity before moving forward yes. with and, cancellation. And over my last <laughs> you know. years on the internet, I have seen that improvement and the pendulum swing back to closer to where it should be. It was pretty yes. rampant for a while. And yeah. to the point where someone like me who has been continually, you know, shut down for having questions or for trying to assert myself, I couldn't speak for a Mm -hmm. while because I was afraid, too afraid to say the wrong thing and not, I mean, yes, I'm, I have fragility in ways, but also just because I'm a, 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 a human person who wants to do right and who has been ridiculed and condemned and shut out for doing wrong so much that it's like, I just can't take that again. You know? So I do Mm -hmm. see that. So the evidence that I am speaking out and and saying things that maybe could be wrong and and I'm open to correction now, it's, I think it's because the internet feels a little bit safer (laughs) in that regard. I do think we're getting better. Yeah. I agree with you. I, I, I think so. I think that I think sometimes we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to do it perfectly or not do it at all. And that is just as dualistic as do it right or say nothing. I mean, the pressure we can put on ourselves sometimes is intense. And I think that we are cultivating a culture where it's acknowledged that we will make mistakes. So we need to first give our, per, ourselves permission to make mistakes and to learn and also understanding other people are going to make mistakes and expecting perfection in, in people's advocacy or, or allyship or, um, you know, however you want to term that. I think that's an unrealistic expectation and it doesn't, you know, it almost doesn't matter what 
what issue you're talking about, you can't expect yourself to be perfect all the time. And you can't expect other people to do it perfectly all the yes, time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, oh, Me? go ahead. I just said absolutely. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Um, we should wrap it up, but I did want to want to give a quick recap of the shows that we mentioned because I need to uh, add an addendum there. <laughs> um so people who are looking for LGBTQ affirming shows to watch with their kids, we talked about Shira, we talked about Carmen Sandiego, and I also mentioned One Day at a Time. That's available on Netflix, and it's available on Pop TV if you have that app. Wanted to add that in there because it's still a great show if you yeah, can get it. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited <laughs> to check that one out. That one I haven't seen at all. It's really good. I laughed so much and I'm so sad it's not on Netflix anymore, but I'm really glad that uh, another network picked it up and they're running with it. And I hear that it's even more affirming in the on the new network than it was on Netflix. Like they really have opened up those stories and, and explored more of the complexities awesome. and so forth. So I'm all Me for that. Too. Um, and you have. Yes. And your book, Hurricane Season, we're hoping we're going to see that later this year. I would year. absolutely love to have it out in the next couple months. So I am. Oh, that would be awesome. And when you do, I want you to come back because then we could really talk in detail oh, about man. the book. We've kind of really avoided, you know, we don't want to give spoilers. But whenever that's released, <gasps> all I'm going to want to do is crawl under a rock with my vulnerability hangover and never get on the internet again. <laughs> oh, Oh, well, I hope that no, you'll I'm, do a podcast I'll at do least. All the things I'm supposed to do, but that's what I'm going to want to do. Yeah. Uh, well, I can understand that. I think that the process of writing a book and getting it out there, it is so emotionally intense and it can be so draining. You have to practice good self care after because, uh, and you, you know, because you've been there. I mean, if, don't do it um the odds of writing another book again are pretty slim to none because it, it, it is such an experience it is a great experience but it's also oh, a draining experience you, to put I a book out you there. Write another. your book is excellent and your story is so different but so the same as mine you know so i hope i'm sorry i'm scolding my son i'm trying to talk to you because he's I've been on too long, apparently, and he's in need of attention. But it was so good to have you, and I'm so glad that you came on and shared your story because it is a story that is pretty – it's an experience that a lot of people have, but every person has it in their own unique right. way. So, um, yeah, my I son, what it. story was it? We'll, we'll just have to listen to that together. together to talk about these things. All right, Stephanie, oh, that would be great. thank you again for yeah. having me on. I love chatting with you. Yes, I love having you on. And I do want to have you back when your book comes out or whenever. Because <laughs> it's so great to have you. Thank you. Well, have a good rest of your day. And tell All right. your son hello. <laughs> I will. And everyone out there listening, take care of yourselves. Be safe. Be smart as, as states are beginning to open up. Do, you know... Just be careful out there, and I will talk to you again okay. real soon. Take care.